0: seasons of life come and go. In the midst of all that, for me, the hardest part has been not getting too obsessed with task, 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 and really just keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. If I'm doing all this for my family anyway, like I got to make sure I'm really doing it for them, keeping them at the center of what I'm able to get done in a day
1: welcome back to another episode of inside the inspired i'm your host jonathan cohen and that was brendan wall a father a husband a full-time accountant and the host of the dad the man podcast a show where brendan interviews high profile professionals leading their families with love and purpose ranging from professional golfer jordan Spieth, professional football player eric decker sean lowe ufc champion stipe miocic high performance psychologist dr michael gervais Pro bodybuilder Stan Efforting, Mark Bell, Drew Manning, and the list goes on. Brendan believes that as men, husbands, and fathers, we have one opportunity to be the best that we can be, and he's on a mission to help us seize it. This episode was awesome for me as a podcast host because we talked about time management, advice for aspiring fathers, advice for podcasters, resourcefulness, preparedness, and so much more. Before we get into it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you haven't already, and if you get something valuable out of it, or know someone who might, share it with a friend. All right, let's not wait any longer, and let's get into the episode. Please join me in welcoming my friend, Mr. Brendan Wall. Today, we have a very special guest, fellow podcaster, I would say a leader in the space, although I'm sure he would humbly not qualify himself as such, but... When you have as many episodes as this particular individual and you've interviewed the class of individual that he has, I believe that you set yourself apart in terms of the quality of human and person and value that you bring to the world. He is a father. He is a professional and a podcast host. And now I'm happy to call him a friend. Please welcome to the show the host of the Dad the Man podcast, Mister Brendan Wall. How are you, sir?
0: And I'm doing. I'm doing really well. And if I can halfway live up to that intro, we'll, we'll call it a win today. But man, <laughs> he's pumped and I'm I'm humbled to be here. Honestly, it's a it's a pleasure to to get on here and 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 get to get to know you a little bit and. Chop it up, man. Looking forward to it.
1: As am I. So I've seen your content. I get to know you through your content. I've heard your pod and I get the chance to ask you some questions. And I want to start by just giving the audience a brief introduction as to who you are in your words. Let them have it.
0: Yeah, no, I'll I'll give you a little bit of my backstory from maybe like college on just so you guys get a, get a bit of a feel for where I came from and uh, and and where I am now. So You know, I went to a big SEC football school. I did not play football. I was in a fraternity, and that was very much the way my time was spent a lot of the time. I worked hard enough in school to make the grades I needed to make, and I did pretty well in school. And I worked in the athletic department a little bit when I was there, but really was just having a great time. Big SEC party school. Went to Auburn, just had a blast. And it worked out pretty well for me. I walked out of there. I met my wife at Auburn. We met towards the end of my time there. So I ended up sticking around extra year at Auburn, CPA, did grad school and passed CPA exam. So professionally, I'm I'm a CPA, I'm an accountant. But personally from there moving forward, my wife and I, we got married right after I finished grad school. So we got married, moved off to Nashville. We both always wanted to live in Nashville. We were super excited about this. We get up there. And uh, you know we're getting settled into life, right? I'm starting at a big four accounting firm in the audit world, so just crazy schedule, but super excited to go start, you know, building and, and pursuing this career that I've been studying for the last few years. And my wife was a nurse; uh, she worked in cardiovascular ICU. She's like so much smarter than me; it's ridiculous. And like I don't know how, like just tip of the cap to everyone to nurses, doctors. Like I don't know how they do what they do, but anyway so we're there and you know of course we we got married we start talking about you know what's life going to look like for us when are we going to start building a family of course my wife wants to start planning that and i grew up in a wonderful household two best parents in the world so i was you know i was like yeah like of course we're gonna we're gonna go this route so my wife comes to me one day and she says you know we're having this conversation we're talking about you know what are we going to bring a kiddo into the world and i said you know, I really want five years, I want to get five years into my career, get my legs underneath me, I'll feel more stable and confident that, you know, I can provide for the family. And that was just like the plan that I had in my head, right? I don't know where that number of years came from. But after we had that conversation, about five days later, I found out we were pregnant with our with our first. Mm -hmm. So that was just like, you know, Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I, I'm an idiot. I just said five years and five days later, I'm finding out that we're going to have our first. And I was super excited. And I say that honestly, you know, if you've ever known anybody who's had a hard time getting pregnant, I've got some friends that are kind of dealing with that now. Like I just kind of always had that in the back of my head. So my wife and I came from this this place that it happens, it's going to be a blessing, no matter what. But anyway, so at this point, I am newly married, I'm about 23, 24 years old. I found out I've got my first baby on the way, just getting settled into this new career and you know, basically making no money and working 24 hours a day. It was nuts. So all of a sudden, my instincts start kicking in. All right, you got to, let's go, buddy. You got to go provide for the family. You got to, I mean, come on, Nashville's expensive. Like, I mean, what are we doing here? So I start kicking in in gear and I'm busting my butt at work we end up transferring down to birmingham but we bring another kid into the mix a couple years later so in the mix of that we're growing the family and on the personal side of things everything was going exactly the way that i would have wanted it to go i grew up with it was myself and my younger brother so we had our first and we brought a younger brother into the mix two boys but somewhere in that mix of being a young husband a young leader of a family a young father a very young professional as well not making a lot of money, somewhere in the mix of all that, all the pre- the, the pressure, the, the stress that kind of came along with that, which I don't think is unhealthy by any means, but the outlet for that turned into work for me. And in a lot of ways, I think that serves as well oftentimes as, as, as men that are driving forward. The problem was I couldn't really mentally turn it off. Like I got myself into this position where I was like, I'm busting my ass for my family. Like as that was, always like that's what I'm telling myself but it came to the point where what I said I was doing for my family began to come at the expense of my family so even when I was home I was like I was worried about work I was worried about missing a deadline I was like checking my email on my phone and I was always just preoccupied and I was never really there so career change move up to Chattanooga where we are now took a new job thought it'd fix it got worse kind of did the same thing all over again and you know just the story continued but then covid happened and what happened with the pandemic it i think everybody has a different reaction to the scenario and how everything unfolded obviously there was a lot of loss in a lot of different ways whether it's life, loss of life loss of money loss of careers loss of security it was a crazy crazy time right i always say that this this time saved my life because it was in this time that At this point, I was working like crazy. I was seeing my kids, you know, a couple times here and there during the week, a little on the weekends, but I was working five, six days a week, long hours. But it was like God pinned me down. That's what I say. God pinned me down and forced me to see what I was missing in the day-to-day with my kids, who at this point were, I guess, three and one, four and two, somewhere in there. And, you know, I missed the breakfast table. I missed the arts and crafts. I was missing the lunch times. I was missing missing the shuttling around town, taking kids to the grocery store, whatever it was, getting them to activities. I missed the the bedtimes and everything in between. And when COVID happened, I was pinned down and I, I watched it all happen. I realized everything that I was missing. And it was like God put planted the seed in my brain that if I continued doing what I was doing, I was 10 years was going to go by, my kids were not going to be one and three, they were going to be 11 and 13. And they were going to be looking towards high school and getting out of the house. And at that point, they weren't going to want to spend time with me. And that thought really haunted me, like badly haunted me. So it was at that point in time, I kind of just made a a material swing in my perspective and had to shift to this place of, okay, I have to I have to change something. If I don't change something, nothing's going to change. So made another career change to a bit more of a stable position where i can actually be the husband and the dad that i want to be you know I, I don't have to be married to work all the time but it was in this this time of a prayer and reflection and figuring out what i wanted to do and that this podcast started. i was sitting around and i was like should i start my own business i don't know I kind of had some creativity that i needed to express and one night my wife was like why don't you start a podcast you're always talking about podcasts and You know, you're always talking about it and people tend to listen when you talk, which I thought was funny because one of my biggest fears ever, ever is public speaking. So this was like, I was scared as shit when she said that, but I knew in my head, I was like, okay, I got to go do it. And so I started the podcast, Dad, the man, the whole idea is bringing on guys that we all know and love, right? So the guys that we know, we love, we look up to for what they do professionally. Maybe they're a professional athlete. Maybe they're an author, an entrepreneur or, or whatever, like, you know, we know them. But we get a peek behind the curtain we just chop it up and talk about marriage and fatherhood and you know dealing with their kids busting their ass and that kind of stuff like we all do like the stuff we all do on a day-to-day basis so giving a peek behind the curtain to what their life is like and just trying to make being a great husband being a great dad cool again that's kind of the whole mission of the show so very long-winded answer to a very simple question but that's a little bit of the backstory, i guess on me and where i come from and how i got into the whole podcasting
1: world so yeah a lot of people did first of all that's a wild story that is like just to hear self-awareness and the self-actualization that came through you not necessarily looking for a message but hearing it when it came and reprioritizing your life so this way you could be present for what you realized and knew all along what actually mattered and look at what came of it well that's what we're going to talk about before we get into the substance of what your show is what does it being a dad mean to you it's a really really good question and a
0: tough one tough one to answer if i was going to boil it down you know it's it's funny i was talking about this with my wife the other day we were talking about how much we've grown as human beings being parents you know we were for all intents and purposes we were babies when we got married and babies when we had our first child we were 23 and 24 years old and Now we're 30 and 31, so our oldest is, you know, six and a half or so. And it's, we almost feel guilty because we feel like he's raised us more than we've raised him. When you have a child and you say, okay, I want to teach this child everything that's the most important. You want to be a good steward of their attention and this opportunity to lead an individual human being through growing up to, you know, preparing them to go on and live a life on their own. And when you do that, it shines a very bright light back on yourself. Like there's no shadows, there's no hiding, because your kids see everything and young children is, are so emotionally intelligent and they pick up on everything and they don't forget anything either. It's shocking. It's horrifying in a sense. But what it, what it, what it really pushes you towards is being the absolute best version of yourself. And it, it holds the bar high and it holds it real steady. And it pushes you in so so many different ways so you know when i think about being a dad it's it's my favorite part of my life being a dad being a husband like being in the middle of my family like at the end of the night when i go to bed and you know i go check on all four we have four kiddos now just to complete the story but like when i go you know check on them tuck them back in and go climb into bed kiss my wife good night like that's the most peace I feel in my day, every single day, you know, like we're all here, we're all good. And it's, it's one of those things, you know, it's easy to get wound up in work and life and bills and busyness and email inboxes and to-do lists and just things that are going on. But the feeling of being under your own roof with your wife and your kids and knowing that everybody's good, it's, there's nothing quite like it. And it's something that I, i hold on i hold it tightly but i try to i try to also hold it loosely too because the old adage you know this this too shall pass that goes for the bad things that also goes for the good things so it's it's almost it almost feels like it's too good to be true and to be honest with you that that scares me a little bit
1: well those fears can sometimes force us to elevate ourselves and as you kind of alluded to previously in the conversation, you know, they force you to be best version of yourself and they were raising you. Right. So how are you managing your time between, you know, you got (laughs) your training regimen, you got your fatherhood, you got your husbandship, if that's even a word and your full-time job, Mm -hmm. how are you handling and your podcast? How are you managing all of your time?
0: The first thing is that I would say is that the timing is never perfect and the schedule is never perfect and the plan is never perfect. When I think about time management with everything that we all have so much going on, right, kids definitely make it harder because there's no negotiation. There's no moving, there's no, there's no reprioritization of your kids, right? They're going to be first priority, their first priority. But a quote comes to mind from Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And I feel like that every single day, I'm like, all right, here's my plan. I'm going to bed. I'm right now, like what, what time I'm going to get up. Here's what I'm going to get done in the morning. And then I'm going to eat this for breakfast. And, you know, I'm very intentional with what I want to happen throughout the day. But, you know, like this morning, I was going to, I was going to try to get five, six hours of sleep, which right now is a lot because we've got newborns. Of course, they didn't sleep. And, you know, the, one of the twins is up at 4 a.m so it's like the workout i was going to do in the morning is shot the to-do list that i had for the podcast it's shot but then you just got to be able to take that punch in the face like mike Tyson says and, and then readjust calibrate and keep moving forward and for me it's been a game of just understanding that i'm not going to eat the whole elephant in a day like i gotta just when i have time i've got to attack it you know like if i've got I would say, like for example, like in my fitness, like when I was in college and when I was, you know, newly married before we had kids, I would love to just go to the gym, take a nice warm up, get a nice lift in, cool down, hit the sauna. Two hours would go by, like easy. Now I'm like, okay, I've got a 15 minute window. I might not get the perfect workout, but you better attack that damn 15 minute window. Like you got to hit it hard, right? and and it's those things that like we know it we see that time we just you just kind of have to attack it and enroll and with it and then over time your capacity expands to an extent right it's like when we had our first child flipped our life upside down it's like holy shit. what i'm never gonna be able to like i'm never gonna sleep again i'm never gonna see a friend again no, like <laughs> what in the world and now it's like we've got four kids and like if my in-laws or my parents we're so lucky we've got help on both sides like if they take the older boys we've just got the babies like, it feels like we're on vacation. Like, it's just like, we've got all this time. What are we going to do with all this? It's one of those things, man, things change, seasons of life come and go. But it's really just like in the midst of all that, for me, the hardest part has been not getting too obsessed with like, task, 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 and really just keeping the most important thing, the most important thing. Because if I'm doing all this for my family anyway, like I was saying before, I got to make sure I'm really doing it for them and keeping them at the center of you know what what i'm able to get done in a day
1: so it sounds like the structure is really kind of eliminated and it's really just a mindset that you maintain
0: it really is and you, you just you carve out the little crevices man it's like you just you get up a little bit earlier and you knock it out and it's interrupted lunch breaks are great you know i work a pretty pretty standard corporate america job so i can you know say, hey guys i'm gonna go grab lunch and you know, I'll go, go find a quiet spot and, and knock out some work for the podcast. Sometimes I'll work out during lunch, go for a run during lunch. You know, it's you give up a little bit here and there. You give up a little socially. I watch a lot less NFL football and college basketball and college football. You know, I, wa- I watch less of that. So, you know, there's a little bit of like a time on it that has to happen too. But as your capacity uh, gets eaten up by other priorities, you, you really get more excited about the other things. It's a hard sell to say, hey, go go watch less football on Sunday. But once you get to that position and it's like you know you can either sit and watch the football game or you can get up early go for a run and then like take your kids to the park i don't know man. like taking your kids to the park like watching them laugh and just be little hellions at the park
1: and go like there's nothing better that's awesome because you've used two words and i wrote them down steward and capacity i love them because one is about leadership and then the other is about the threshold and understanding that your threshold has to increased as your responsibility increases so how do you find you've best been able to adapt to your circumstances like let let me kind of ask a question a bit better as more people enter your life whether it's a client a potential pod or a child how are you kind of internalizing all of this prioritizing and then executing on said action items
0: (laughs) yeah that's a a good question too if i had a really great answer that that would be sweet you know i wish somebody (laughs) would give me a really great answer for this one the simple answer is you have to it's very much a you're thrown out in the middle of the ocean and you learn how to swim while you're out there but that's okay right you know that makes it a little bit more exciting one of the The things I just focus on is it's it's the most important things have to be the most important things. So like keeping keeping my faith at the center of things, keeping my marriage at the center of things, then my kids and then my fitness and, you know, fitness kind of gets blended all together with trying to get more active with the kids and integrating them. Like if I can do a workout and they can be in the garage with me or if we can you know go for a walk together. Or something like that like the more i can integrate that rather than trying to have a delineation between you know hey kids you guys go inside i want to go do my workout like i'd rather shave off some of the extreme growth in my fitness maybe water that down a little bit, but have my kids be a part of it and them get to see that and have them be integrated with it. So, you know, my, my max deadlift is not going to be as high because I'm just not going to be training (laughs) in the same way. And I'm not going to drop a couple hundred pounds when their little feet are scrambling around, but to me, to be able to kind of just have the opportunity to have them grow up in a home where they see a dad that's going to be working out and taking care of himself and that kind of stuff like that's the most important thing. principle that comes to mind that helps me a lot is just the idea of simple idea of opportunity cost you know if you give your time to x you cannot give it to y same as like you can't spend a dollar twice it's the same idea right and i think we have to think about that with our time you know we have a lot of we all do we have defaults in what we give our time to like fantasy football and watching nfl football was one for me like that was i'm gonna be in three fantasy football leagues every year okay that was a very normal thing for me. But as my kids have gotten a little older, it's okay. I just have to reevaluate that. If I give four hours on Sunday watching football, that's four hours. I then can't give to my kids and all week I'm saying, I just want to spend time with my kids. Like I just, you know, I wish I had more time for my kids. It's like, it's there. We just have to to go back to that word steward. I think it's just be very intentional in stewarding the
1: time that we have. I love how you take a principle based approach, to your lifestyle. It's yeah. It's effective from a leadership perspective. It's like having a frame or a principle that you can rely on. And you also alluded to it with your values when you enumerated what's most important. Like you put faith in family at the top. For me, I think the season of life I'm in right now is obviously, you know, family is always first. But on the heels of what I just completed, and like I was thinking about it to do all the things that I've done and you do, at least from my perspective, if I serve myself first, I can better serve everyone else around me. And that's why my fitness is so important but like you were saying a 15-minute window like i'm very much the same two-hour commute every single day full-time job wife family podcast aspirations like all that if the 15 minutes is what i have to allocate i'm gonna go hard in those 15 minutes with compound movements or movements that i believe to be effective like namely body weight and just kind of like push it for 30 40 seconds rest for 20. You know and just do that for 15 minutes hop in the shower get to work commute back think about what i'm going to do on the pod have a conversation with someone like yourself and try to figure out ways to get that content out as you were talking about before with how your wife recommended that you start the podcast how were you able to curate a theme like how did you know what you wanted to talk about was it also in the spirit of recognizing that message you were alluding to earlier was How did the idea for the podcast actually come to be?
0: So oddly enough, like months before that, I always say that God, in my life, I felt like he's just kind of tapped me on the shoulder at different times. And, you know, there's sometimes where I'm like, where did that thought come from? You know, like, that's not a thought I've had before. That's, you know, there's some things I just can't quite trace in my own brain. And Hmm. uh, the name dad, the man sounded just popped in my head one day. I was cutting the grass and I was like, what is, I was like, where did that thought just come from? And i didn't think anything of it really but i didn't forget it i just thought it sounded funny and like kind of catchy and i was like you can interpret this so many different ways and i kind of dig that but i just let it go and then you know it was months later that my wife mentioned starting a podcast and i just i wanted to pass along the lesson that i learned you know like i wanted to i wanted to pass along like if i had not had the revelation of you know you're gonna miss this, and ten years is gonna go by, and you're gonna regret this for the rest of your life. Then I would, I mean, I would have regretted it for the rest of my life. It's exactly how it would have played out. I just wanted to pass that message along to to anybody else out there. Like, you know, you really only have one shot. And I'm not here to tell anybody what's right or what's wrong or how you need to balance your time between your ambitions and your marriage and your family. I can just tell you what makes the most sense for me, and I have a lot of peace in I guess the approach that I have now. The flip side of that is sometimes you do leave a little margin on the table maybe that's professionally you know maybe there are there are dinners that i'll just say myself there's some dinners i don't go to some events i don't go to extra hours that like if i were single or you know had just my marriage and could kind of rationally communicate with my wife then balance and it things a little bit differently i might pour more hours into my work okay, i used to but it's hard to explain that to a four-year-old that just wants you to be home to play catch with them in the front yard after okay after work you know and you you just don't know like my kids right now four and six like boys they love baseball and i love baseball so it's like the coolest thing in the world for me to stand out in the front yard play catch with my son but the reality is like they could tomorrow they could decide they don't like baseball and they might not ever go back to it and then that opportunity's gone you know that doesn't that doesn't come back that that's it is what it is it's it's inherently fleeting and you know that's I'll be honest. I mean, I said it before, but it does scare me a little bit. And I try to not hold it too tightly. I tried to just embrace each season as it is. But where I was going with that is that the flip side of that is I'm banking on later in my life. There's going to be a season probably where my kids are teenagers and they're less interested in hanging out with dad right? Like I'll probably have a little bit more time and opportunity to maybe eat some of that extra margin in my career advancement or building a business or whatever that may look like. And man, I'm figuring this thing out day to day. Like somebody could please give me some advice. I'll take it. Oh my goodness. It's It's the craziest ride ever. So don't, don't let, don't be fooled into thinking that I know what I'm talking about. These are the things that you know, I, I talk about them every day, but I also, you know, I, I worry about them every day too. You know, like I question, like, am I doing this the right way? Am I, am I, am I making enough money? Am I, am I being lazy professionally? It just, you know, I run myself in circles in my own head too. So I'm not here to tell anybody what's right or wrong, but that's the that's the approach I've taken for now.
1: This show is about the blueprint. Like, it's not necessarily there is a single way to achieve. I have had breakdancers on this show, had multi-millionaire entrepreneurs on the show and I've had professionals at the top of their game or just starting out and what I find is you know you've interviewed Michael Gervais you're, you're talking about like people that we're going to get into the guest list and everything obviously I think that there is no one single blueprint that's kind of the idea and that's why I explored success in all these different ways right enough money enough presence with the family there is Work-life balance. There's no such thing as work-life balance. How do you make the time? You make the time. Like there's all this information overload where it's like I'm now at the stage where, and I I talk about this often now, and it's one of the greatest quotes I may have ever heard. Where how do you know what's enough? It's you know, and Alex Hormozian. I'm sure you've heard of, and I mentioned it before on this show. He talks about outworking yourself doubt creating this undeniable trail of evidence that it would be unreasonable to suggest otherwise.
0: When I saw that, it, that punched me in the face. I was like, that's so good.
1: Man, I'm a lawyer. All I do is talk about it. And the standard in for the law is usually that of a reasonable person. When I heard it from a professional and personal perspective, it just really hit. And for the obvious reasons. So when you talk about you're not licensed or credentialed enough, or this is your way, I think your way can be an example. It doesn't have to be the ultimate, but it is absolutely an example and one that I've appreciated And for a few reasons. One is how you identify yourself first and foremost as a father and a husband. That just shows your priorities are as we already talked about. But then is you know, you kind of talked about everything else, you have this awesome passion behind your passion projects. Usually when people say they want to get into the podcast space, they'll interview some interesting people here and there, whatever. But you're out here interviewing people at the top of their game, like we were just talking about Michael Gervais, Jordan Speed, Bestipe. All these different people at the top of their game. And I'm sure you have a different numbered list in your head of how all these <laughs> professionals unfold. But usually people break on into the space and they have to work up to it. But you hit the ground running, man. How did you network or develop this network into over 100 episodes of your podcast, man?
0: You know, the, the funny thing is I haven't networked at all. And uh, I really, you know, so shoot your shot, man. I've just shot my shot so many times that a bunch of people have said yes. But for every one of those that said yes, 50 to 100 or whatever the number is, yeah. of either not seeing the message, said yes and not shown up, said no. You know, like there's a lot of that in between. I heard a quote the other day. You made me think of it because you said information overload. And it's going to drive me crazy now because I can't remember who said it. But he said, it's you know what it was? It was Hormozzi. There it is. <laughs> I was listening to Hormose on Andy Frescilla podcast, and he said, the problem that most people have today is not information overload, it's implementation underload. So yeah. he's just saying, like, we've got all this information, but he's like, we just got to put it to use. And i would heard Gary Vee say, and I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. knows Gary V. heard him say so many times, just like, if you can just go out and, you know, send 100 or 200 DMs, you never know. There's, he uses the word serendipity. You never know what's going to happen. So that's really the approach that I took with the podcast. For every single person, I send a personalized video DM and just say, you know, hey, I really appreciate this about what you do I also recognize it seemed like a great husband great father would love to have you come on my show and talk about it it's about a minute long video it's a little different for everybody I try to make it as personalized as I can it takes me forever like it takes it takes forever to do that you know 100 times that's pretty much how I've done it and I've just I've learned I I hope I hope people would think I've gotten better as I've done it we're right around 100 episodes which is which is just crazy but yeah, man. When I started, I was so scared. I did my first interview, and I, dude, I was scared shitless. I don't know. I, I probably said five thousand times. I still say, oh, "I'm way too much." You know, I still listen to myself, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, god, I said it too many times." Every podcast,
1: every podcast ever. I'm always looking in I'm always looking for it within podcasts. Like, you know, that guy's really smart. Or that woman's really smart. She says, "I'm oh." like all the time (laughs) it's a thing unless (laughs) you feel
0: better because I was listening when I was I was listening to that conversation with Hormozzi and Frisella and Andy Frisella says it all the time he's like the probably top three four best speakers in the world so I was I was like okay all right maybe I'm not too bad off but no the podcast journey has been a blast for me it's been a it's been a big journey of personal development for me like I said public speaking massive fear of mine so it's pushed me out of my comfort zone in that regard now it's not necessarily public speaking because it's recorded and I'm not in front of thousands of people or even 10 people or a dinner table worth of people. You know, that kind of stuff scares the shit out of me, to be completely honest. But there is some some element of hey, we're laying this track down, we're talking and we're gonna publish it. Whoever listens to it, they hear it, they hear it. And it's it's just been a big, big project of personal development for me and and selfishly the what I didn't realize was going to be the best part is that I have just learned so much from other people doing it. You know, I really was just like, I want to. It was it was well intentioned to try to help people, but nobody's benefited more than myself because I've gotten to yeah. ask questions to like guys like Michael Gervais about like, hey, my my son is very shy. How can I help him be more confident? You know, and I get to ask these very specific questions to help me be a better dad for for my kids. So in a lot of ways biggest beneficiary of it.
1: That's what it should be, man. Like you set out, take the project on in a very special and particular way that I personally haven't seen. You got parenting books and parenting magazines, but there's no real like one source. And you've kind of become that source where high achieving individuals who have children and a father role are talking about what matters most to them if you really think about it. And you've really corner of the market, for lack of a better way of putting it. So you should be the biggest beneficiary, whether it's social currency or just experiential, like, you know, well-earned. And I love the strategy. It actually reminds me of James Clear when he was talking about how he was going about the marketing for his book, Atomic Habits. He wrote like a hundred plus emails, all personalized to podcasts as he was coming out with his book and this way he would pre-record as many as would respond to him and then he asked the pods to release them at the same time as the book was coming out so it seemed like he was everywhere all at once (laughs) when it was like these personalized messages that he had pre-recorded and everything and you know timed it accurately so that's pretty Mm -hmm. gutsy to come up with that kind of strategy you know send a personalized video message to ask someone about how they go about their parenting who gave you that idea how did that kind of come to fruition
0: you know i don't know it just to me i just said this is so important to me it's like the one thing that if i don't get it right it's going to haunt me you know Mm -hmm. like it's the most important thing to me because it's not just about me. It's not just about somebody else that can help themselves. It's about about my kids, you know, they're, they're kids. Like they don't get to choose their parents. Like they, they got me, you know what I mean? Like they, they got me and they got my wife and they're very lucky that they got my wife, but they got me. So I gotta get this right. And I had that feeling and I was like, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a red thread that connects all of us in that way. Maybe if I pull that on, on other people, it's gonna resonate, you know, maybe they're gonna feel the same way. And, That's really what I've found and have been the most, I don't want to say I'm that surprised by it, but I've been very pleased to find like, and you, when you, when you sit and talk to somebody for an hour and you hear the way that they speak about their wife and it's positive, you know, it's not my wife was nagging me. No, of course, you know, we joke a little bit, but it's all good. Like they speak positively about their wife and they speak positively about their kids, even when they're busting their kids chops talking, you know, like when we're chopping it up in a conversation, whatever, it's still coming from a, from a good, honest place of trying to be, do the best that they can by their kids, by their wife. It's just, I don't, I don't really, I guess that's really where it came from. And it's been really cool to, to get to this point and to kind of look back and I started putting out some episodes, and I just call them highlights episodes because I'm not a very creative person. But I just started clipping back, going back through all the conversations and saying, like, all right. So when I talked to Jordan Spieth, what really jumped out at me, and for me for that one, it was I asked him what he was the most proud of in his life so far. He said his he just laughed and said, "My sanity." And I <laughs> thought that was so funny. I was like, dude, aren't we all in that boat? I mean, come on. So I started putting out like clips like that. So not just long interviews, but you know, taking the punchline from some of these conversations from up to a year and a half ago and putting them back out. And they're like three, four minutes, you know, and um, it's been really fun doing that. Just, I don't know. I think we're all probably wired this way that we don't always stop and appreciate what's going on in our lives. It's easy to think what's next. And it's one of the hardest things about just being a parent in general too. It's like, what's next? What's the next practice we got to take the kids to? What's for dinner? What's, what are we di- What are the kids like, you know, it's all what's next, what's next. And so it, it's, it's, It's really cool sometimes to just stop, stop, take a beat, look back and say, man, we've had some really cool conversations. This this has been fun. And people ask me all the time where it's going, and I have no idea where it's going, dude. I'm just trying to have the best conversations I have, I can have with the coolest guys that everybody knows and loves. And, uh, man, just trying to learn as much as I can along the way and share the message. That's really it in a nutshell
1: intention is pure which is probably why the caliber of guest is so high because it comes across in whatever video message or the questions themselves like you could even hear when you're talking about it now like you're just very sincere about the way that you want to go and have the best possible conversation like you want to put out the most value and that selflessness i think is what garners such attention so through all those conversations i know you mentioned a moment with jordan spieth What's kind of been like, I don't know, I got a few questions about this. So hit me, man. <laughs> so in terms of like, I don't want to say the best piece of advice, but what was kind of like one of the best sound bites where you found it the most actionable? And I'll just give a quick example. I was interviewing Justin Rothling Schaffer. Former strength and conditioning coach in the NHL now is an entrepreneur. He's done 10 talks and he runs a company called Own It, very data-driven and focuses a lot on HRV and human optimization, we'll call it. And he talks a lot about behavior. One of the things that we were talking about on Friday was, you know, most people talk about how they can be the best version of themselves. And then he kind of flipped it on and head. he's like, how can I become the most consistent version of myself? And that one really resonated with me because I'm all about consistency. And so I found it very actionable in the sense that it's like, all right, well, I'm already implementing this, but maybe it can kind of offer someone a bit more of a different frame that they, instead of like, how can I be the best? How can I be the most consistent, which in turn, in my opinion, leads you to be the best, right? So yep. is there like a piece of actionable advice that sticks out to you through all these conversations that you've had? What comes to mind?
0: Yeah, gosh, there's. There's a bunch, and I'm fortunate to say that there there are a bunch. There's one that I really ground myself in a lot, especially when, particularly with my marriage, but also with my kids. Now that they're getting a little bit older and are expressing themselves more, six and four, they're they're little humans at this point. But I had on Yogi Roth, and he's the the lead anchor for the Pac-12 Network, and he's just a brilliant guy, very insightful, very articulate, and just a cool dude. Like awesome guy to spend an hour with. But I asked him. What he wanted his legacy to be with with his with his kids, and he said, at the end of the day, like when it comes to my wife, when it comes to my kids, I just want them to look back and say that they felt seen and that they felt heard by me. And dude, he said that, and that was one of those things. And I was like so convicted because I was like, God, I feel like I haven't done a good job with that. And that has been one of those things I've really tried to implement in my life, and and I think about that a lot, real life implementation. If I'm, if my kids are having a meltdown or they're, they're behaving in a way where I'm like, okay, a six-year-old shouldn't do this at the dinner table. Okay. It's easy to get pissed and be like, dude, stop, like, stop! come on, like, just stop yelling. You're six. You don't need to be yelling. (laughs) Like, just eat your food. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes we just want to, you know, grab our kids and shake them like that. But I think about that is. Does he feel seen and does he feel hurt? And he's not just acting like that to be a little shithead. He's acting like that because he's got some, probably an emotion that he doesn't know how to handle. Like he doesn't, I need to make sure that he knows that I see him and I hear him. And normally if I can, if I can stay calm enough, which is a skill in itself to stay calm enough to sit with him and make sure that he feels seen and feels heard while he's having that meltdown, while he's like being disrespectful and I just want to smack him, but I am just not going to do it then, then we, we usually reach a much better resolution. But that idea of seen and heard is huge. That one, that one comes back to me all the time. And another one that I think about a lot, and I've actually gotten it a couple of times. I got it from Ryan Mickler. He's the host of Order of Man. He's a great, great dude. And I got it from Daniel Carlson as well, who's the kicker for the, for the Raiders. He, they, they both came to the table with this idea, like the point of being a parent is not to like, have the best behaved kids. Right, it's not to have the little choir boy kids and that sit at the dinner table and just eat their food perfectly. Like that's not the point. The point is to raise great human beings who, yeah. like Mickler said, put it in the in the the phrasing of the point is to basically make yourself obsolete. It's to make yourself th- so that you don't need to be there anymore. You raise such great people that can go on without you, right? And I think about that a lot when my kids are having that little meltdown and they need. To I know I need to be patient enough to make sure that they feel seen and heard. I'm like, okay, the point is not for them to be perfect now. For them to teach, it's for me to teach them how to manage their emotions and feel them, but handle them in the right way, so that when they're an adult, you know, they can keep their shit together when they're trying to raise their kids.
1: Am I allowed to get emotional? Like that is (laughs) that is some real badass advice, man. Both of those, and that's what's so great about podcasts you get the opportunity to sit down with another person and ask them meaningful questions that elicit just meaningful answers. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, this is 10 times better than a photo on the street or a selfie or any of those things. Like now when I see celebrities and I live in Manhattan, I see them all the time. I'd rather give them like a compliment or let them know about a time that they inspired me rather than ask for a photo and like make them stop their day. Like more so engaged with another person i I was hanging yeah. out with Matt Barnes courtside at the Nets game a couple of weeks ago, and he asked us if we wanted something to drink and I was like, nah, but I got a question about your podcast, man. Let <laughs> <Until> we start <laughs> talking <about> that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. it's just so like those interactions are so much more real and like they stay with you and maybe even stay with that person. And like, regardless of if they do, it's in my opinion, I talk a lot about impact and nasal breathing, by the way, which is definitely something that I think would help in terms of, you know, calming and (laughs) regulating (laughs) emotions while we're on the topic. But I talk a lot about impact and, you know, we were chatting before the show about some of the stuff I've done and, and how you want to get involved. And it's, And and this is another thing, and Scooter Braun is where I first heard it, and I believe he heard it from David Geffen. We're hearing this a lot now, I think, mainstream. At the end of the day, no one's going to remember my name, but maybe they will feel my impact. And that is how I believe in, like, you combine that with Stoic philosophy, where the benefit of being a good person is that you get to be a good person. You're leaving all of this just goodwill on the planet that hopefully carries people forward into better quality of life and ultimately allows them to better impact the people around them. So as you have these conversations, you were talking about how you were so concerned about your first one. It's not so much the question, the question is not so much going to be like, what are the lessons that you've learned, but rather how are you curating the questions around each particular guest
0: so this has changed a lot as the show's progressed as I'd like to think that I've progressed in some in some capacity it used to be very I was very meticulous in the preparation consumed every piece of content that people would have put out if they had a book you know I'd rip the audio you know I just I was going to consume everything they've ever put out I was going to know everything (laughs) about them that they've ever done and I was going to know like every little thing, just so that I could, I could control and man, not manipulate. But I just wanted to feel that like control that like yeah. I could handle myself in any part of the conversation. Swing that now, you know, a hundred episodes later, I'm much more in the camp of how can I prepare less? How can I prepare as little as possible so that the conversation can be as organic as possible? The goal, I think what a good host is, is curious. So if I, if I know all the answers and I know everything that everybody's put out, it just, it feels mechanical and it feels like i found myself getting places where i was you know we'd be just jamming on something and then i try to jam in a question and it would kind of fall flat you know what i mean it kind of kills that spirit so the idea is now just be come in and, and just have the courage to be a conversationalist and be curious and you know just kind of go where it goes now i definitely prepare to an extent so i'm really trying to find that line now Of you know what's what's the line but i found recently less is more like i had a conversation today and this was the first one where i was like okay i have zero questions i have zero we're just gonna go in we're gonna chop it up and wherever he goes you know we're gonna we're gonna roll and we had a great time you know it was, it was a great conversation because i had to put that one out it'll be good but you know i was excited with the way it went but that's that's where i've landed for right now
1: it's a great strategy i would say you obviously have way more experience than me and it kind of reminds me of you know my time in the bronx what i would have to do is being the grand jury quite often, and we'd have to present a case, you have a witness on the stand, it was a cop, it was a victim, it was a witness. And I had one mentor who was all about preparedness, and you have to stick to the script. And it like went against my biochemistry. Like, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Like, I'm not someone who necessarily wings it for lack of a better term. But I definitely like you speaking and enjoy good conversation and not have to be so like you were saying, mechanical. It's more authentic in that regard and i think people take to that type of conversation better rather than like oh this is the same backstory i've heard 50 times and on every show like i'm looking for something a bit different that's going to get me to think different feel different be different and you know when i'm preparing for pods Mm -hmm. it's like i've interviewed a couple authors but at the same time, most of the guests that I've interviewed, I know. And it's almost easier to ask those questions because it's based off of experience, interactions. You know, you're know, you interviewing people that you know from afar and yeah. you know, you're sending video DMs to yeah. the yeah, They don't know me, That's <laughs> for sure. So you're just like chopping it up when you said it so beautifully, a good host is curious. And the same mentor that told me about being regimented in your structure of how you ask the questions, intellectual curiosity has to be your number one asset. And yep. this show kind of blends both where mm-hmm. I have a lot of curiosity and I'd like to ask a lot of questions. And I was talking about this recently too, where in school, I would never really get acknowledged. For In fact, I even had a professor who called me out. We got graded on our participation. Mm-hmm. And then after I got my grade, I was like, what, like it should have been a bit higher. And we spoke about it. He's like, Well, what did you think about the quality of your participation? I was like, what man, I sat in the front, I'm there to learn. I don't know, I asked questions (laughs) and things that I don't know the answers to. As it unfolded, I slowly realized, like, okay, yeah, I'm just gonna make my own show and then judge the quality of my participation (laughs) that way. And we'll see how it goes. But getting back to you and hopefully you could see like how much you're story and and your background parallels my own in the sense that that curiosity and shooting your shot family first balancing it with health all of these are different pillars that i personally really relate to and why i wanted you on this show because i do find you to be regardless of whether you consider your own blueprint to be the blueprint whatever i find you to be a very effective and contributing member to society delivering a very wholesome message for a higher purpose. And so what about advice for aspiring fathers?
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. First of all, thank you, by the way. that Those are some kind words, and it means a lot to me to hear that, so thank you. The advice I'd give to aspiring fathers is, I mean, man, keeping your marriage first is gonna be big. It's gonna be huge. Like, that is the lesson that I have been told the most, learned the hard way the most, seen played out the most is keeping your marriage first and i think for men in particular and i say this because i felt this at the beginning i think it's hard sometimes to recognize all the work that it takes for our spouses to get to the position you know carrying a child for nine months birthing the child dealing with the hormonal just wreckage that that has on their body and having to recover from that And postpartum depression is a very common thing. My wife experienced it. We had no idea what it was. I had no idea how to help at the time and uh, did a pretty terrible job through that. But just, I think, recognizing what your wife is going through and just being extra graceful towards her, giving her a long rope, supporting her, just, I mean, making sure that she feels seen and heard, like we were talking about before, and just recognizing that that process is going to be so much harder on her than it is, on you by by a mile. The the hormonal damage just in the recovery after having a child is significant. And you know, I, I didn't really appreciate that at the time. And then once that goes on, it was kind of like, all right, well, I'm going back to work. You're gonna be with the baby more than I am. And I think just recognizing too, I had the privilege of taking a paternity leave with both of my kids. And I got to see when I was home, my my wife actually went back and she worked more. So I got to see firsthand how freaking hard it is to be at home with a baby all day, all day at home with a baby. And you feel like you're going to have time, but they pretty much need something like every seven seconds. So you're pretty much just reacting to stimulus all day. And none of it is adult conversation. It's just a baby crying at you that you can't control. But I got to see firsthand how freaking hard that really is. And that gave me a whole new appreciation for, you know, when I'm at work and maybe my wife's at home with the kids, like her job is still more important than mine. No matter what I'm doing, her job is more important than mine. And I tell her that all the time. That's something that we've talked about. You know, I think guys, a lot of times they're like, okay, I gotta go to work. So she's gonna get up with the baby and I'm just gonna sleep. But what's more, like if you if you asked the guy, if you went up to him and said, what's more important in your career or your kids? Most people are probably gonna say they're kids. Okay, so if you're going to work and your wife's at home, who is it more important for to have a good night's sleep? Is it you go into your career? It's not that your career is not important, but the, the fuse that you have to have to be with kids all day, kids that you love more than anything in the world, will drive you to places within yourself that you didn't know existed of anger and frustration. Like, it's coming. It's going to happen at times. So the extra sleep just gives you a lot fuse. So now I'm rambling, but these are things that I've really started to think through now that I've done this four times and I've messed it up a handful of times you kind of look back and and then can connect the dots like okay it's really hard to raise kids it's a very important job you want to be well rested for that and it's not that going to work isn't important I work my ass off at my job and I don't want to come across like that's not important either like I want my kids to see me work my ass off at work and that's one of the hard work is one of the top couple values I want to instill in me. but just appreciating what i want to get across is just appreciating what moms are doing and what they're going through and how hard it really is to to be at home with kiddos like that's that's really i guess in a, in a very long-winded way that's what i'm trying to get across there
1: that's a special message man it really is it's cool to see how you're aiming to embody it in each moment and it's giving you a platform the content speaks for itself
0: well i only know it's true because like i said i've messed it up through, through four kids man they, all these and anything that you learn as a parent most often it's learned the hard way and just to i'll take the mic back that's advice that, that i would give ads to that are like you got to give yourself some grace. You know, you show up the best, absolute best that you can, but you're going to make mistakes on a day-to-day basis where you're going to want to kick yourself. And you got to have a short memory. And, you know, I find myself on a regular basis saying, you know, my six-year-old, hey, sorry, buddy, I didn't handle it appropriately. I shouldn't have yelled at you. That was my fault. I had a big feeling that I did handle right. I'm sorry. And then we move on. Like, But then I got to have a short memory to not beat myself up about it. I learned from it. And I try to do better with it, handle it better. You know, sometimes you call it an after action review or an audit, whatever. Hey, what went wrong? What can we do better? But just having a short, short, short memory, like you gotta be like a quarterback in the NFL, man. You gotta be able to get up, dust yourself off, and keep going because there's no perfect parent. And you know, after three minutes with your first child, you'll see how real that is, especially once they start to talk and walk. And man, it's just it's it's an imperfect game and you gotta you gotta be comfortable with you gotta get comfortable with that. And it's it's different than most things that we're used to in life, like the objectivity of most of our professional careers where, you know, there's metrics involved and there's there's dollar signs and there's numbers and there's promotions and then there's deadlines. And it's very rigid. It's not the right word, it's but it's quantifiable, right? Like there's it's you did well, you didn't do well. You hit the deadline. You didn't hit the deadline. You made the sale. You didn't make the sale. And with parenting and relationships, it's just so much softer and mushier. And there's not necessarily like that dopamine hit of, oh, I got, I got the bonus today or I made the sale today. It's more of like, you know, it, it's much more of a so much longer delayed gratification of the lessons that you're going to be trying to pour into your kids. You might do it. You might do, you might try to teach your kids something every single day from the time they're one day old to the time they're six, seven years old. And you have no idea if they're learning it or not. You know what I mean? But you just have to have the faith that it's going to land at some point. And if, if I can keep rambling, I'll give a quick illustration. I try really hard to make my kids breakfast as often as I can. I just want to show them what nutrition looks like. I try to talk to them about, you know, let's start with a little protein, then we'll have some fruit. And this is why this is important. It helps us feel good, feel full, whatever. I'm always trying to teach them about that and lead from the front in that way. So I make them breakfast a lot. With a couple of days ago, newborns, it's just, it's madness. I didn't make it down to, to, to make breakfast one day, but I came downstairs. And my six-year-old was in the kitchen. He had gotten two plates out and he made breakfast for him and his four-year-old brother the pretty much the exact same way that I got the little chicken sausage. You got some strawberries and cut them up. And as of the time I'm walking down, the four-year-old's going, Mason, you forgot to wash the grapes. You know what I mean? Like, and they're putting it on the plate. And dude, I like, you know, I've made them breakfast a thousand times. I have no idea. I'm like, is any is it this landing? I don't know. But seeing that in a moment, like. Holy shit. Like that is land. And I got man, I got I got emotional. I I I can't maybe it's because I was sleep deprived, but I came downstairs and I saw that and I like I teared up. It's just like, man, there it is. Like there's that, there's that delayed gratification maybe coming to life. And that's a very small, simple example, but I think it's an important illustration that like we teach our kids stuff, it's the gratification is going to be so far delayed, and oftentimes we might not even see it. I still reflect on things that my dad taught me when I was like seven, and it'll come to mind one day. And I'm like, Oh, there it is. And I'm 31, you know what I mean? It's like 20, you know, however many years later, I'm going to count. I should be able to do the math in my head, but how many (laughs) years later, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much stuff there. The gratification is either going to be delayed into perpetuity. Sometimes we might say we might not, but I don't remember what the question is, but I just started rambling there. I thought that that felt important at the moment.
1: It doesn't matter what the question was, man. <laughs> the lessons are more important. And I'm glad that you brought it back to yourself where you were talking about lessons that your own dad taught you. Because as you were saying that, that's obviously what I was thinking about. Like I watched my dad give ridiculous amounts of charity anonymously. And it would be announced at a, at a banquet or a ball or whatever. But I would know who the anonymous donor was. And for me, it was the most powerful sentiment because that's what stands with me, stays with me now when I do all of the philanthropic work that I'm doing. And I think after like raising over $35,000 across three different events, putting my blood, sweat, tears on the line, body on the line, mind on the line, that's kind of my way of carrying on those lessons just differently than he would, but the principle remains the same. So got like one or two more questions for you. Hit me, man. Who's the guest or the conversation that you really want to have? Let's manifest something for you, man.
0: Ooh, oh, man. That's a great question. I think Shaq would be a great conversation. Talk about one of those guys who does, you know, just there's videos of him, you know, in the store at the checkout line. And, you know, he'll. I saw when he bought this this kid's engagement ring and, you know, or he's buying laptops and school supplies for moms at Walmart or whatever it is i just have there's no telling for every one of those videos how many thousands of instances where he's behind the scenes and nobody sees it nobody has a camera out i think he's just he would be awesome to have on a guy like the rock would be awesome to have on i think tiger woods would be a really interesting conversation and we, i think we would we'd go deep and i would probably try to if it was my ideal conversation with him i'd pick at him a little bit about everything that kind of went down and. I'd love to have a conversation with him, just honest and 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 chatting through some of that. I think something like that would be really cool, just to highlight. You know, like I said, it's it's an imperfect game, right? And everybody knows kind of what's happened with him in his past. But that's the kind of brings up a point that like I think is important too. Like uh, the goal isn't necessarily to highlight like anybody or put anybody on a pedestal as like the best dad ever or like the perfect dad. You know what I mean? Because that doesn't exist. Like I. I could do the podcast and paint that picture like, hey, this guy's the best out ever. You guys go listen to him and buy his course or whatever. Like, that doesn't serve anybody well because that would be a lie. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are a couple guys that come to mind that I think would be awesome. I mean, just guys that, you know, we, we've grown up knowing and loving and, you know, would love to have on. Steph Curry's another one. You know, guys like that would just be so cool to have on
1: pretty awesome list you got man well i hope (laughs) we're able to speak it into existence i have full faith that you'll be able to make it happen whether it be a video message or a relationship definitely pulling for you to make it happen and appreciate it if i happen to ever come across any of them at any point i'll definitely drop your name (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) so this is a question that i like to ask almost everybody that comes on the podcast before we wrap up and that is if the future version of yourself 10 years from now or to fly in and offer you some advice to get to where he is what do you think he would tell you That's a
0: good one That's a good one i think i think within staying rooted and keeping the most and things you know the most important things the most important things i think for me it would probably be to have a little courage have a little courage to step out and do the things that that scary. You know, the podcast is a small illustration of some cool things that have come from me, me doing that. But, you know, we've talked a lot about family and, you know, not necessarily being as aggressive on the professional side, but man, i I do have these goals and these dreams. And oddly enough, a lot of that comes from wanting to show my kids what's possible, that it doesn't have to be the blueprint of you go to school to get good grades, to take a test, to get a good job, And to you know like that's kind of i'm an accountant so i've been the most stereotypical example of that and it's worked well for me to an extent but i want to prove to them what's possible whether that's starting a business providing for family in a different way you know maybe the podcast turns into something that supports my family but you know i i think there's something romantic about you know starting a business and showing your kids what what you can do if you learn a skill that serves people and brings people value that they're willing to pay for. There's some guys I follow and they've got businesses and they're packing boxes in the garage with their kids. You know, they've got their three, about four or five, six, seven year old kids, right? Thank you notes and stuff like that. Like, but the, and all that sounds great, but the uh, reality is that, you know, you got a family over, heads high and it takes full courage to make a, make a leap. Now, if I'm sitting 10 years from now, looking back, I want to say I took the leap at some point. And that scares the shit out of me to put that out there, to be completely honest with you. But if 41 year old me is talking to 31 year old me, I think that's what he's
1: that's what he's saying. Brendan, this has been such an awesome conversation. I've had so much fun. I've learned, I've laughed, and I've chilled. This is really cool, man. I know the audience is gonna want to know where they can find you. So please let them know where they can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to find me, it's the podcast is Dad the Man. You can find me on probably any platform. I, I think I'm on all of them at this point. So you know, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify should be able to find me. If you want to find me on Instagram, I do share some stuff on there, but it's it's Man. But if you want to check out the podcast, that's probably the best place to get to know me, but man, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on on here. It's it's a gift to get to come on here and and speak to you and it's a gift to me to be able to be asked these questions and, you know, kind of put me on the spot to think through them and you know, it's funny, man. It's the same idea of journaling. You know, you learn a lot about yourself when you make your brain slow down enough to put pen to paper. And the same is true, I think, with spoken word too. So this is this is nice. It's very nice for me to, to come on here and have some reflection and, and think about some of these things because like I said before, I don't, I don't stop and smell the roses as much as I should. So brother, I just appreciate you for holding space and, and having me on doing a great job with the show. And I'm excited to see where your show goes as well.
1: Thank you so much, man. Let's uh, let's just keep making it happen, man. Let's just keep making it happen. We'll keep our heads down, keep doing the work, staying present and elevating the people around us. And I had so much fun, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Yeah, brother. Let's do one of these charity workouts together at some point.
1: Oh, hell yeah. You know it, man. <laughs> Until the next one. All right, man. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Inside the Inspired. If there's a topic that you want me to talk about, please don't hesitate to reach out you can follow me on instagram at InsideTheInspired or on linkedin jonathan z cohen i love to hear from you the show is growing i see the audience picking up and fills me in levels in ways that i'm going to continue to express by bringing on top-tier guests and people that i believe give you a bit of meaning enlightenment and wisdom that you wouldn't get otherwise so That's all for this one, and until next time, stay safe, stay strong, stay mindful.